This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Welcome to the Proton Pack Podcast. I'm Christian, and with me always is the gizmo to my billy, Tony. Say hey, Tone. Oh, <laughs> hey, everybody. This episode, what are we at now? 77. 60, is it 77? It is. We're Ooh. getting closer and closer to that 100 mark. Yeah, we're, we're chugging along, but we're happy to be here. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Another new episode. It is Wednesday, September 9th today. Yeah. It is the 8th. It's the 8th. <laughs> it's the 8th. Wednesday. It, uh, I know we pre-record and stuff, but uh, it really is Wednesday. So I won't hold it against you, Tone. I know it's early morning. And oh, so, yeah, uh, yeah you know, yeah, just trying to get just, into the group. My calendar is clearly, it's right in front of me, too. Wednesday, September 8th. So it is early as we record this. And I no longer do the uh, overnights except last night. So <laughs> eh, fair enough. <laughs> a little, little on the exhausted side, but that's all right. Well, regardless, we give, have a wonderful show for you guys today. I just want to remind everybody that uh, we can be found on social media. So if you take a look below, uh, anywhere that you get social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just go to Proton Pack Podcast. You can follow the stories that we talk about here, see trailers that we update. And, uh, you know, we update it pretty often as we see things come about. But as we do at the beginning of each show, we like to review something that recently came out, whether it's a ongoing TV show or in this case, it is, uh, you know, a movie that we've been waiting for for a while. Didn't know what the expectation was because it was a title we're not super familiar with, but we both went to the theaters on pretty much opening day and saw Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, now, for me, I thought it was a fun ride. You know, again, Marvel took an ups obscure character, similar to what they did with Guardians of the Galaxy, really sort of amped him up, made it fun for the audience, and the the action was amazing. The uh, choreography was beautiful. Uh, it was funny. It was touching. It, it You had cameos in there that, uh, you know, one in particular that I wasn't expecting, but uh, very glad that uh, came about. Uh, I'll just say Iron Man 3, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. Uh, but that cameo was one of the probably the best parts of the movie, at least the funniest. And then, you know, Marvel has a way of taking villains and making them sympathetic. You know, they're they're doing what they do because they think they do it for a good cause. Look at Thanos with, uh, you know, wiping out half of the universe. You know, well, he wanted to save the universe, you know, through resources. Obviously, it was mass genocide. But they made you feel for him in why he was doing it. And again, in Shang-Chi, they did the same thing here. And uh, I enjoyed the hell out of that movie. Um, I would say out of 10, I'd give it a 9.5. I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. Tony, what did you think? 
I thought, you know, to piggyback, mostly we have the same review of it. Um, it was a really, really fun movie. Um, you know, Marvel Marvel did such a great job taking the unknown characters, unless you've unless you're a diehard comic book fan and you really read the stories. Um, they did. They made an awesome movie out of it. Great story, fantastic action. If you're a fan of kung fu, uh, which I actually enjoyed kung fu movies when I was younger, so the kung fu fights were fantastic. Um, and like you said, the choreography was just on point. They did Mortal Kombat than Mortal Kombat did. Um, exactly. Minus the fatalities, you know, Mortal Kombat really did the fatality portion right, but everything else, eh. No. But uh, Shang-Chi, you know, funny, action-packed, like you said, cameos that are mixed in. Well worth the watch in theaters. The two bonus credits at the end were definitely great. Um, and, you know, surprisingly, I thought Aquafina would kind of bother me in it. Based off the previews, I'm like, eh, she's going to drive me nuts. She really didn't. She was a great addition. She was funny. She was hilarious. She was great humor. I, I enjoyed her. I thought she was fantastic. Um I'm trying to think if I have anything bad to say about the movie. I don't have anything negative to say. It was, uh, I know like I'm a big Marvel guy. I usually don't put down Marvel things. And uh, this was a fantastic movie. And I look forward to seeing uh, where it goes from here in the MCU. Great origin story. So, Yeah, and that's the thing. Even though we are Marvel guys, you know, we can recognize when uh, a movie's not at its full potential. I mean, look at Captain Marvel. You know, it was a, a passable Marvel movie, but, you know, it wasn't the best of, you know, nobody would put it in their top 10 of Marvel movies. This one, for a yeah. lot of people, may be up there. I mean, it was really, really well done. I like sort of the new take on the Ten Rings as opposed to, you know, the old Mandarin with, you know, just wearing rings on his hands. Probably, you know, that would be too close to the Infinity Gauntlet. So having them as kind of bracelets that... You know, the powers and what they did, uh, that was a really cool addition, really cool kind of retcon to the old comics that makes a lot of sense. No, absolutely. And I do like the fact that they they pay, you know, nods to Iron Man 3 and then they joke and say, and this idiot called himself the Mandarin. So America, yeah, the world was afraid of an orange <laughs> like chicken, the little yeah. joke they dropped in there about their chicken, yeah, uh, orange chicken. So, uh, but nonetheless, go check it out. It's in theaters now. Um, definitely one I would like to see again in theaters. So it was a very enjoyable movie. Still wasn't my favorite movie of the year, though. It still was not. Yeah. Hard to beat Free Guy. Free Guy. Free Guy still best movie I've seen this year. But uh, Shang Chi was definitely awesome and. I don't see anything in the box office this month that's going to oppose it. Unfortunately, everything's kind of scared to be in theaters right now. Well, I think uh, the next big one for us is Venom, uh, Let There Be Carnage. And yeah, big we'll, one, which, uh, we'll be talking we'll about that, that in a little bit. Episode. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of which, folks, we are headed into our break. But when we come back, we're going to be talking TV news. So don't go anywhere. We'll see you in just a few. Something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. 
Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. Welcome back, folks, to the Proton Pack Podcast. I'm Christian. I'm here with Tony. Now, we just finished up our review of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Again, we couldn't recommend it enough. Definitely go see it in theaters. Dolby Atmos, uh, IMAX, whatever, uh, you know, big sound, big picture you can do, we certainly recommend it. But as we do in the second segment of each show, let's go ahead and get on into that TV news. Bazinga. Hey, baby. Let's go, Bob. Excellent. Hail to the king, baby. So first up in TV news, actually, we've got sort of a trio of kind of horror TV, yeah, horror, horror light. But uh, Guillermo del Toro and the Netflix streaming service are teaming up to bring us an anthology series called Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, which is described as a live action genre defining and chilling collection of distinct stories. Filming is currently underway in Toronto, so Netflix has announced the names of several of the show's writers, directors, and cast members, making it clear that they're not just relying on old Del Toro's name to sell the project. This show is packed with talent, including cast member Robocop himself, Peter Weller. Creative and executive produced by Del Toro, Guillermo Del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities is also being executive produced by J. Miles Dale, who serves as co-showrunner, and Gary Unger. Regina Corrado is the co-executive producer. Here's the lined up confirmed writers, directors, and cast members. You've got Essie uh, Davis, Andrew Lincoln, and Hannah Galway star in an episode written based on the original story by Guillermo del Toro and directed by Jennifer Kent. Academy Award winner F. Murray Abraham, Glenn Turman, and Luke Roberts will appear in an episode written by David S. Goyer. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson, Alpidia Carrillo, Demetrius Gross, and Sebastian Roche uh, star in an episode written by Regina Corrado. Crispin Glover and Ben Barnes star in an episode written by Lee Patterson. Um, Peter Weller, who I just mentioned, uh, stars in an episode directed by Panos Cosmatos. Uh, let's see, Mika Watkins in an episode directed by Catherine Hardwick. David Hewlett in an episode written by... Vincenzo Natali, and then Haley Boston is in an episode uh, written by Anna Lily Armapur. So you've got some big names, names you haven't, haven't quite heard of yet, uh, but it should be interesting. If you saw Guillermo del Toro's um, thing, uh, what, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, I, I have a feeling that this will sort of fall into those lines and you get those you know classic del Toro creatures. Uh, Tony, is this something you'll be checking out when it hits Netflix? Yeah, it sounds great. I mean, especially Andrew Lincoln. It'd be great to see uh, Rick Grimes back on the TV screen, especially in a different role. Because yeah. 
you know, he left He left The Walking Dead and he really hasn't gone on to do anything. I think his superstardom was there where he could have done movies or some other projects. And and if he did do them, I, I was unaware of most of them, if any. So this is uh, cool to hear he's in there. And uh, Crispin Glover's always a trip. So uh, the original George McFly is uh, an interesting... Uh, an interesting character. So it'd be uh, neat to see what they could do. So yeah, absolutely. Something I would definitely check out. And nothing says creepy like Crispin Glover. So, you know, my guess is that he'll probably play. Yeah. Yeah. He'll play some sort of weird off character in this. And I think it'll be a great fit for Guillermo del Toro, even though he didn't quite get along well with uh, 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 Bob Zemeckis. So. Yeah, this is true. She, Click a little bit better there. So. Exactly. Well, let's move on to our next one. Our second story is sort of the trio of horror, if you will. Uh, we've been waiting for the HBO Max streaming service to announce when they're going to re- release the 10-episode first season of their animated series, Gremlins, Secrets of the Mogwai, which serves as a prequel to the, <laughs> ni- <laughs> to the 1984 classic Gremlins. But the Hollywood Reporter has just broke the news that you won't have to be an HBO Max subscriber to watch the show. It will also be airing on Cartoon Network as part of the network's new Acme Night, a Sunday evening block of family-friendly movies and shows that will debut on September 19th. Boy, that's right around the corner. It's not clear if that means Gremlin Secrets of the Mogwai will be premiering on Cartoon Network on September 19th. But we can hope the Acme Night Block will also be available to watch through HBO Max in early 2022. Joining Gremlins in the Acme Night lineup are Aquaman King of Atlantis, Unicorn Warriors Eternal, Batman Cape Crusader, and the Harry Potter Wizarding World Quiz Show. Warner Brothers Animation is also producing the movies Merry Little Batman, Did I Do That to the Holidays, a Steve Urkel story, and a Looney Tunes feature starring (laughs) Daffy Duck and Porky Pig. Um, Boy, it almost sounds like Mad Libs there. You get a Harry Potter quiz show and the Steve Urkel story. What more could you ask for, right? No, I forgot I've read about the Steve Urkel thing. I think that's funny. I had no idea. Can I do that? He's a... Julia White's actually coming back to voice Urkel in it. That's awesome. Hi, Laura. <laughs> I can't do it. It's been a long time. Did I do that? The funny thing is going to be that, you know, obviously kids who would be watching these have no idea who Steve Urkel is or Family Matters. Or... No, they're going to be like, what is that? Yeah, it's a whole new generation of potential fans. But uh, regardless, you know, this is good well, news. Yeah. Goes well, out the window for uh, when they say family friendly block, that goes out the uh, the window of taking the Steve Urkel character, making it like adult themed, because <laughs> he had his Urkel, you know, his uh, strands of marijuana and all that. So, <laughs> oh, that's right, I forgot like about the that. Pur- the purple Urkel, yeah. Hey, to be fair, I mean, Mike Tyson has a TV show, and he's right in the same boat. Cartoon. Oh my gosh, that was so weird. <laughs> the, the Mike Tyson detective. You're on a mystery case. That little pigeon talked to me. (laughs) But regardless, you know, it should be a fun lineup, and I'm excited to see what they do with this Gremlins animated series. And, uh, you know, it'll be nice to see them back. We get the Mountain Dew commercials with Billy and Gizmo, but, uh, you know, I I think we'd like to see a little bit more in that world. Yeah, I definitely want to see it. 
I, I just still don't get the branding of Gremlins being kid-related. You know, like, when we were kids, like, sure, Gremlins 2 was definitely aimed at the kids, but, man, part one was freaky. That, that was, was scary. Not... <laughs> it was. <laughs> you look at it now, not so much, but it's a, uh, it was definitely had uh, give you nightmare moments for sure. <laughs> well, with that being said, let's move on to our third story in sort of this trio of her horror. This one about one of my favorite authors of all time and what he does in uh, media. But for a while, Neil Gaiman adaptations appeared to be, aside from Coraline, a hopeless endeavor as a film based on his own comic book series, The Sandman, spent decades in development hell. But now The Sandman is getting a series adaptation from Netflix, a second season of Good Omens, and an adaptation of Anansi Boys are being made at Amazon. American Gods is wrapping up on Stars, and HBO Max has ordered a pilot based on The Dead Boy Detectives, characters gaming created for Ooh. DC Comics. Their first appearance was in The Sandman issue number 25. If you don't know who these characters are, they're Charles Rowland and Edwin Payne, who decide not to enter the afterlife in order to stay on Earth and investigate crimes involving the supernatural. While the Dead Boy detectives are already set to be played by Sebastian Croft and Ty Tennant, in the upcoming third season of the HBO Max series Doom Patrol, Croft and Tennant are not believed to be attached to this pilot at the moment. The pilot is being written by Steve Yaki, who also serves as executive producer alongside Jeremy Carver and Berlanti Productions, Greg Berlanti, Sarah Schechter, and David Madden. Yaki and Carver previously worked together on Supernatural. Yaki currently serves as co-showrunner on The Flight Attendant, while Carver is showrunner on Doom Patrol. Uh, Tony, I assume you're not familiar with the Dead Boy detectives from DC Comics. I never no. really followed the Sandman series, but knowing what you know of these Neil Gaiman adaptations, Good Omens, American Gods, uh, the Sandman, is this something you might consider checking out? No, oh, I would definitely consider it. I'd like to see some stuff, but I always like going into things sometimes, even if you don't know them, as we go back to Shang-Chi earlier, I mean, you don't know a lot about it. You know, if it looks good, definitely give it a shot. And the premise sounds pretty cool. You know, two guys who die, they decide, eh, we're not going to go to the afterlife. We're going to investigate the paranormal here on Earth. Um, kind of takes that supernatural CW vibe to a different level. And being that it's going to be on Netflix yeah, or, uh, sorry, HBO Max, you know, they can push the limits a little bit. Yeah, which will be really, a, it'll be a good thing. So I look forward to it, especially the way you put it. It actually sounds good. <laughs> and then our final story here in TV news. Although the Suicide Squad has been unleashed, we certainly haven't seen the last of those wacky supervillains. James Gunn had so much fun with the Suicide Squad that he approached Warner Brothers about developing a spin-off TV series revolving around John Cena's Peacemaker. We'll finally get to see our first look at Peacemaker during DC Fandom in October, but a new Peacemaker poster has been released to give us a little taste, which I'll post on our Facebook page. The eight-episode Peacemaker series will debut on HBO Max early next year, and James Gunn had previously teased why he wanted to spend more time exploring a character who he described as a, quote, piece of shit. Um, Peacemaker was one of the best parts of the Suicide Squad. He was fun. His banter back and forth with Idris Elba was great. And who doesn't love John Cena? Yeah, I think that's going to be good. Um, I, his character, he really is a piece of shit. But, uh, you know, it's uh, he was entertaining. That movie was 
I really liked it. I know it got dumped on and everything, but I really enjoyed the Suicide Squad. I thought it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. It was, you know, a little outside of what you expect from James Gunn, but yeah. uh, and the, the, the big giant starfish was a bit much, but. <laughs> and somewhat of a spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the Suicide Squad, the Peacemaker series will most definitely be a prequel. Oh, yeah, it takes place before. At least it kind of shows you how he got there. So that's a good way to tell an origin story, though, without having to make a movie about it. Exactly. Well, folks, that does it for our TV news. When we come back, we're headed into movie news, weekend box office reports. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. And welcome back, folks, to the Proton Pack podcast. You know, we just finished up our TV news, getting ready to head into the movie news, but not before we bring you guys the weekend box office report. Well, it's no surprise that the movie that we reviewed just a little bit earlier was the number one movie of the weekend. Of course, Labor Day weekend open. Broke box office records at $90 million in its opening weekend, which, I mean, for the time of COVID, a lot of places being shut down, $90 million in a weekend in this day and age wouldn't all only be huge for wide openings, but for this, it is, is something special. Uh, the international debut, its worldwide opening total so far is $140 million. That's amazing tone. That is incredible, because if you go back to the beginning of the year when we were talking about like uh, Kong versus Godzilla, and and we're like, well, it made thirty million dollars. Like thirty million was the big thing at the time, right? And then we joked, we're like, oh god, this is like the best it's been in COVID, and uh, ninety million is huge. I think you know, and on top of that, to shatter, I mean, not just just set box office records. I mean, what was it uh, in the, uh, we're probably reading the same article, but it crushed um, Rob Zombie's uh, 2007 Halloween remake was the, the record holder in the uh, Labor Day market at 30.6 million. So it tripled that number since 2007. Woo. That's damn impressive. Yeah. Look at you, Marvel. Just, Minting, minting money left and right, Make but uh, you know, pissing, they're pissing, pissing your old veterans off and your old directors off, but you're still making money. Exactly, uh, but they put out a good product, so uh, you know you get what you pay for. Damn right? good product. Hey, it's in, a good brand. Support the brand. In second place, Candyman fell to a ten point. Just don't say his name three times. <laughs> say Candyman. He's gonna appear. This weekend made $10.55 million, a uh, total budget of $25 million, and uh, has cleared $41.9 million to date. So uh, it's doing well for itself, obviously low budget. It would uh, be officially a success. I mean, it, it made its money back, and uh, that's pretty impressive for a horror movie. So good, good, good for them. I do want to see this one. I still haven't seen it. It's why studios like horror movies, because they're cheap to produce and they make a ton of money if they are released correctly. Moving on, yeah. in third place, Free Guy, another movie we mentioned earlier, brought in another $8.7 million, bringing its total to the domestic box, box office of 91.8, global 
239.2, so it's making a ton of money as well. Uh, I mean, looking at these top three movies, it's telling me that people want to go back to the theaters, which is really exciting. Oh, absolutely. Which I, which is fantastic, but you still have the some movies are all scared and they they take off like uh, oh, Top we're, Gun. We're going to be what? talking about those. Oh, we're getting there. Oh god, yeah. Why are you taking off? Stay put. Exactly. Yikes. But yowie uh, wowie. Moving on in fourth place was oh my favorite movie of of the year so far. Paw Patrol brought another four million dollars, uh, bringing us total to thirty one point five. Meh. <laughs> Oh, and then rounding That's out the top, the devil right there. rounding out the top five is Jungle Cruise brought in another three point nine five million. Uh, in the top ten after Jungle Cruise, you've got uh, Don't Breathe two, which brought in two point seven million. Respect with one point six million. The Suicide Squad, which I'm kind of surprised is still in theaters, one point one million. Black Widow, also still in theaters with 893,000. And then the only movie on the list that I haven't heard of, The Night House with $674,000. Surprising we did not cover that on uh, Pop Culture Kaboom. So. No kidding. Huh. I've never heard of that one. Yeah, you would think we would cover a weird one. You know what? Maybe they did cover it. Uh, Might have been an episode I was not on. Ah, there you go. I did, I did take two weeks off, yeah. That's a respectable top ten right there, you know. Absolutely. That's, that's I, I, I feel too, like we're getting back bad. getting back to normal a little bit, which is awesome. Well, that does it. But unfortunately, we don't have a lot of big movies coming out this month. No, no. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's a few that, uh, you know, and can always see Shang-Chi again. All right. Well, that does it for the that's weekend true. box office report. When uh, Let's go ahead and move into that movie news. Up, fuzzball. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. This baby hits 88 miles per hour. They're gonna see some serious shit. Yes, we will, Doc Brown. Well, first thing here in movie news, we, we want to get our trailer of the week in. Um, you know, it's one of those things based on where we're recording. Uh, they released the teaser trailer for The Matrix 4 yesterday, at least the teaser for the full trailer. So we're going to play the full trailer next week when we record. This week, we're looking at a movie that, uh, you know, it's an action movie starring Deadpool, Wonder Woman, and Black Adam. Uh, talk in... Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, and The Rock. And this is a movie called Red Notice. So let's go ahead and check out the trailer. Special Agent John Hartley, FBI. Been tracking your scores for a while now. Every city, every heist. Now that you've been tagged with red notices, you've become the world's most wanted criminals. And I'm the only one who can bring you in. Where'd you get that jacket? It's a statement piece. Somewhere there's a very nude cow whispering. Worth it. Looking for something specific or just browsing? You're under arrest. Oh my God. Read the room. Girls will keep the secret. You want to arrest me? Arrest me. 
I just want the egg. Yeah. Help me catch her, and I will help you. Teamwork. Direct, you know we get there. Team, team, team. It feels weird in my mouth. Going with your in crime. We're work wives. We're not work wives. We're sister, sister wives. We're not any kind of wives. <laughs> we both know that this whole thing is going to end with you in handcuffs. Promises. Promises. Bye-bye, Agent John Hartley. Boy, I gotta... Yeah, it's... You use new technology and sometimes it just pushes to the wrong screen, but... uh, now, regardless, that looks like a fun movie. It's Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, and, and Gal Gadot staying in their lane, you know, basically being the characters that you know and love them for, but there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's uh, what I could see in the trailer. It looked good. For me, it was on a little on a delay on my end, so I listened to it, and I'm seeing it all in a little bit of a delay but uh, the trailer looks cool from what I see of it. Um, it. Like you said, you can't go wrong. You got uh, Wonder Woman, Black Adam, and uh, Green Lantern all in one flip. <laughs> I, I prefer Deadpool. We'll, we'll forget about Green Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it does look cool. It's a little surprising that it's uh, going to Netflix versus uh at least theater. I'm sure it'll get a limited run like most of their Netflix movies do mm-hmm. just so they can be in consideration for some, some, some type of awards sometimes. But, uh, yeah. but nonetheless, I, I definitely would watch that. So yeah, something you can enjoy from home and uh, you know what to expect from it. You know, no surprises, just exactly. action, a little bit of comedy and uh, yeah, what more could you ask for? Well, let's move on to our next story here. It, In movie news, well, just minutes after Paramount announced that they're delaying the release of Top Gun Maverick, pushing the film back from November 19th of this year to May 27th of next year, Sony announced that they are delaying the release of Ghostbusters Afterlife, but it's only one week delay. Previously set to uh, reach theaters on November 11th, Ghostbusters Afterlife will now be released on uh, the Top Gun sequel vacated spot of November 19th. The Thanksgiving holiday is on November 25th this year, so Ghostbusters Afterlife will now get to enjoy those holiday bucks without facing the competition of Top Gun. Um, I'm bummed that they are moving it back a week, but financially that makes a ton of sense. You know, they're going to own that Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Oh, yeah, that one's definitely Ghostbusters. You don't go up against it. And uh, it, it it does suck that Top Gun moved all the way to 2022 for a movie that was done in 2020. It's, it's just kind of a, you know, like I still want to see it. It's just been pushed back, pushed back. It's like, wh- I don't understand why they couldn't put it out. Like maybe October's got a lot coming out. 
December's got a lot, so I guess it does make a little sense. You don't in November you got the Eternals in the first part, and then you got Ghostbusters the second part. But you look at like this month where you other than Shang Chi, there's nothing coming out this month. Nothing no. of challenge. Like you could have taken Top Gun and kind of put it towards there, but I mean you only have a couple weeks. Maybe they were smart on it. Because everything is kind of spread out. Because you do have 007 coming out in October. You got Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Um, there's you, there's definitely some heavy hitters. There's like at least two heavy hitters every month for the next few months, other than this one. This one's just Shang-Chi. That's all that's big for this month. Yeah. So, And I have a feeling the... The Top Gun pushback is related to Tom Cruise. It was probably his decision based on the fact that they're also pushing back Mission Impossible 7. So, um, you know, regardless, uh, you know, we still get a lot of good movies coming out uh, throughout the rest of the year. We will get Ghostbusters this year. We do have to wait a little bit longer on Top Gun Maverick. But that actually brings me to... Did it say when or just 2022? Just said 2022. Uh, Top Gun Maverick... You should go like Valentine's Day. May 27th for uh, Top Gun Maverick, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, you got to wait all the way. Yeah, but some good... Some good news in movie shifting. Uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage... um, you know, we were worried that it was being pushed back, being pushed back. You sent me a story uh, earlier in the week saying that it was pushed back again. Well, the good news is that uh, they actually decided to move it up to October 1st. So as of today, we've got about three weeks to wait before um, the next big movie, which is Venom Let There Be Carnage, moved up to October 1st, which is actually really exciting that they did that. Yeah, well, I had just texted you when I got that breaking news. They had they had moved it, but then they had moved it again, right? It was they moved it to the fifteenth, but then later that day they changed their mind and moved it to the first, or or the beginning of the month <clears throat> versus the middle of the month. And at this point, I'd say it's too late for them to move it again. Keep it at the first and and yeah. don't touch it. Leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, let's roll. Either way, I'm glad it's not. The dreaded, uh, there was the rumor it was going to 2022. It was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And th- that finally- marketing at that point, you know? Yep. Finally here uh, in movie news, moving from Spider-Man over to the DC universe, Jason Momoa and the Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom team provided us with a bit of Sunday morning treat as they took to Instagram to reveal the hero's new suit for the upcoming sequel. Jason Momoa took to his Instagram to post the image, which first shows him in the suit we are familiar with from the first film. And with a quick swipe left, we get to see Momoa suited up for the action in his new attire. The caption reads, second round, new suit, more action. And uh, we'll post that on our Facebook page. Tony, have you seen the new suit? What do you think of it? I, I have seen the new suit. It looks uh, looks better. I've even seen uh, was it Patrick Wilson's uh, other armor yep. in there. It looks, looks good. But Master. my problem is, is this, is this one also done by James Wan? It is. Uh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, sorry. I I thought Aquaman sucked. I know a lot of people praised it. I thought it was terrible. I'm right there with the, you. The CG the the CG in it was awful. 
<laughs> well, and as we get a trailer, we'll talk more about, uh, you know, the Aquaman yeah. sequel. Maybe they fix the things that were wrong with the first one. But uh, regardless, we have to head into our commercial break. So when we come back, we'll be talking video game news in the final segment of the show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back, folks, to the fourth and final segment of the Proton Pack podcast. We reviewed Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. We talked about the TV news. We just finished up our movie news. And you know what that means. It's time for video game news now. Hey, man, you want to play some video games? Right. First up is a fairly significant announcement. (laughs) Sony has announced PlayStation Showcase 2021, which will be broadcast on September 9th at 1 p.m. Pacific. That's tomorrow, folks. The event promises to offer a sneak peek at the future of PS5 with updates from PlayStation Studios and industry leading developers and will last around 40 minutes. It'll show off games releasing this holiday and beyond. One thing you can count on not being part of the show is the still officially untitled PlayStation VR 2. The new headset and its next-gen controllers is reportedly due late next year, and a PS blog post about the event makes it clear that it won't make an appearance at the showcase. Uh, Tony, I know you will probably be working during that showcase period, but uh, you know, knowing what you know of it, what are some of the things you would like to see them highlight in this uh, PlayStation Showcase 2021? Uh, well, an update on when to get a PS5. I mean, I feel bad for if you want to get on board with the next gen, whether it's an Xbox uh, or PlayStation, man, you can't get these things. It's I get there's microchip shortages from COVID and all that stuff, but they really, this whole year, they've been pretty scarce. You got to know a guy that knows a guy or you got to really follow the breadcrumb trails to, to get them. Now, if you want an Xbox Series S, you go you go to Costco. You can get those right now, which is pretty yeah. cool. But the X, you, you, you can't find. PlayStation 5, um, our buddy and friend of the show, Mike, has one and uh, played that Ratchet and Clank, uh, Wrinkle in Time, or whatever that one's called for it. Fantastic. Mm. Beautiful. The controller is just fits so good in your hands. So, on a rant, what am I expecting? Availability, um, some new games coming out. Of course, you know, Sony, you get, they, they'll have some good stuff up their sleeve. I look forward to watching the highlights on YouTube uh, when I get home tomorrow. <laughs> yes, some of the uh, games in, that in they're... In a nutshell. <laughs> some of the games that they are um, expecting to be talked about are Horizon, Forbidden West, and then uh, I think the probably the biggest exciting one is God of War Ragnarok. You know, they've got that exclusive with God of War. Those games are always fun. They look beautiful and the gameplay is amazing. Yeah, they do have a couple of uh, aces up their sleeves and, you know, some exclusivity when it comes to, like, Call of Duty and things like that. But uh, <clears throat> I really am just hoping that they can announce that they're going to be you know, making these more available versus the the dickheads out there in uh, scalping world where they get them and then they sell them for an obnoxious and insane amount of money, which, you know, some people are just stupid to pay it. 
which is why they do it. So good on the uh, jerks of the world that do that. But exactly. I'd like to see it more accessible for everybody. Yeah. And uh, we'll recap it on next week's show. Uh, let's move on to our next one. Here's a game I don't know if you've picked up yet tone, but uh, Sonic Colors Ultimate recently launched across Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and PC. However, following a range of issues predominantly affecting the Switch version of the game, the development team at Blind Squirrel Games has promised to patch the title. The studio thanked fans for their feedback on issues that have been cropping up with the game on Twitter before announcing that it was preparing for a patch for release as soon as possible. Um, Tony, have you picked up the game yet? Is it uh, something you plan on picking up? Never even played it. Uh, definitely not picking up the Switch version, that's for sure. Right, uh, at least I, until I they fix a, it. I read right? a review. Yeah, it was super buggy, and I watched the videos. Um, uh, there's a guy I watched sometimes online, RGT85, and he reviewed it, and it was patchy, buggy, and... Uh, Come to find out, it's that flying squirrel, blind squirrel, right? That's their yeah. their company's name, the developer. Um, well, they also did the very horrible WWE 2K19 on the Switch. That was just oh. insanely bug-ridden and nightmare. So there's not a lot of trust in the developer for me to uh, do that. And I mean, that 2K19 is like an ongoing joke online about uh, glitches and bugs and stuff. So... Maybe I would check it out on a bargain day on uh, Xbox, sure, but uh, not going to be picking this one up for the Switch. Well, you've certainly convinced me. Up, uh, What's that? I convinced you not to get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. No, save it. Uh, but uh, WarioWare comes out next week, so uh, I do intend to pick that one up. But that's a Nintendo so. Exactly. Well, speaking of Nintendo Switch and probably one of the most exciting rumors to come out of the uh, Nintendo side of things, a new report claims that Nintendo is going to add Game Boy and Game Boy Color games to its Nintendo Switch online service, which we've been talking about Go for a while. Go big advanced, too. This news comes by way of Eurogamer, which corroborates a report from Nintendo Life that games from these two Nintendo handhelds might finally come to the company's online Netflix-like service. Nintendo Life reported earlier this week that Nate the Hate podcast host Nate Drake had revealed that Nintendo might be adding Game Boy and Game Boy Color games to its online catalog. The publication uh, confirmed this with its own sources, adding that these games could be coming, quote, really soon. Um, like I said, Tony, you and I have been talking about this for a while. That's exciting. You mentioned Advanced. I'd love to see Advanced come. And then, you know, push it on to Nintendo 64 and GameCube and things along those lines. What they should do is Nintendo should really revamp their entire online system. I am down with the way they've released the Nintendo games and Super Nintendo. I think it's super cool. And you can't go wrong. You pay 20 bucks for the whole year for the online service, and these games are there for you. Granted, you can't take them on the go, which kind of sucks because uh, you got to be somewhere where you got Wi-Fi. So as long as you got that, you're good. But if you're playing in an airplane, you're screwed. You can't play right. <laughs> But with Game Boy, I would love it, man. There's so many Game Boy games and uh, Game Boy Color. But realistically, there's a lot of Game Boy Advance games I never got to play because that's as we got older – we didn't really have those, you know, or the DS. I would love to see some stuff like that. Exactly. So, uh, there's a lot of games. There's a lot of opportunity for Nintendo uh, to revamp this system. They have 
they could put out Virtual Boy, they could put out GameCube, 64, uh, DS, 3DS, uh, Game Boy Color. Nintendo could do a lot with this thing. They could even market the Genesis, the TurboGrafx-16, and so forth. But, uh, you know, I don't work for Nintendo, but uh, it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to get the licenses for a lot of their own stuff. Exactly. Well, and we could talk Nintendo and video games all day long. Oh, my unfortunately, God. I could go on rants with them for a while, yeah. Yeah, but unfortunately, we got to wrap up the show for the day. So we want to thank everybody again. Again, follow us on the social media platforms at Proton Pack Podcast. We post our articles and videos there as well. Tony, anything you want to leave folks with? Nope. Thank you for checking us out. Go see Shang-Chi and we will see you next week and uh, we'll talk more geeky, nerdy stuff. Until then, we'll see you later. See you guys. Hasta la vista, baby. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Woo! Shall we watch? Mommy, where's Fluffy? Goodbye.